Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. So today, before we get started, I want to tell you all about our Bringing Intimacy Back Patreon. So, you know, Dr. Kelly and I work together in trying to do a weekly show. And if you want us to bring you guys extraordinary tips and topics on intimacy by subscribing to the Intimate Reflections on Patreon, we will send you what we call the three shows, post shows after we have our guests, where we speak, you know, very intimately about different things that we talked about on the show and four intimacy tips a month. And by joining the Bringing Intimacy Back Patreon, you'll be directly supporting our, our club and stuff. And it's only $5 a month. So just go to patreon.com, sorry, VIB podcast. Welcome, Dr. Kelly. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty fabulous. Awesome. Woke up early. I'm feeling great. Yes. Are you supposed to say happy Earth Day or... How do you say greetings, earthlings, happy Earth Day? Uh, Is it Merry Earth Day? What is it? I can't wait to hear about how to reduce my carbon footprint. Yes, definitely. Today is an um, Earth Day and welcome back. I I missed you last week. And so, yes. Uh, I missed you too. Feels good to be back. Yes, good. Yes. And on Earth Day, and actually today, I actually would like to dedicate this show to my um, grandmother, my grandmother was actually born in, on April 22nd, and so I was just thinking about her this morning. She Aww. passed away some years ago, but I want to talk, want to think about that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to let our guests know is that we have a couple of upcoming products on our things, on our um, bringing intimacy back. One is a book on improving intimacy um, that you can come out and look for, and then another one is dating which is dealing with dating, you know, trying to get out there and dating intimacy and how to talk and all that kind of stuff. So yes, yes. (laughs) The other last thing that I really want to also talk about um, is our charity of the month. Our charity of the month is the Sterling Center. And if you're out there and you're thinking, what is the Sterling Center? The Sterling Center is an organization that helps with nonprofit with, with, I mean, it is a nonprofit, but that helps with foster children and bringing them resources and counseling and that kind of stuff. So, um, and it's done by Dr. Sterling. So if you're thinking about, you want to um, donate money, check out the sterlingcenter.org. So now we're going to talk about our topic for today, which is something we haven't had before, how to be um, intimate and how it relates to the environment. I know when we, you and I talked I don't know if it was last week or the week before on Clubhouse, one of the ways that I feel completely um, the most intimate um, where I feel is in the environment, you know, and how the environment is so important and we have to protect it. And also you were talking, that was when we were talking about intimacy in 
and you talked about how you really like to connect with nature. You enjoy walks. And when it comes to that, not everybody does, but they mostly now people are enjoying creation like they've never done before because people, when we're told we have to stay in place, part of our human nature is let me out of here. And more people are going to the parks, more people are going to recreation centers and, uh, it's just beautiful to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had to stay in place. I mean, I was doing workshops and workshops and workshops. But and then all guess technology. what? And all technology. And I found a gym. Ooh. Yes, you did find the gym. I found a gym. Yes, yes, you yes. Something and you lost something. <laughs> <laughs> and the gym that I found was a gentleman named Ron Kamen. And he is the CEO of Earthkind Energy Consultant. And so I would like to welcome him because he is the host of Awesome Earthkind, which is a podcast because he wants to empower everyday people to um, think about the earth, to make clean transitions, to take care of the earth. You know, um, he wants to actually reduce what you just said recently, the carbon footprint. Welcome, Ron. How are you doing? Oh, thank you, Dr. April and Dr. Kelly. I'm doing great. It's such a pleasure to be here. Happy Earth Day. Yes, yes, yes. Now we know it's Happy Earth Day. It is Happy Earth Day. There's uh, some great prints, but if you could say however you want to say it, it's our home, it's our mom, it's the place where we live. So Happy Earth Day, Good Earth Day, whatever you'd like to say. It's a good time to recognize our special place right here. Speaking of location, what's that dialect I hear from you? Which part of the island are you from? So I grew up in Queens and Long Island. Yes, I did. And then I went to college, actually, in upstate New York. And I lived in Binghamton, New York for, oh, boy, 30 years. I raised a bunch of kids up there. And then I got remarried uh, about 15 or so years ago and moved into the Hudson Valley. But I can't lose my accent. It just stays. It's just there. It's thick, it's great, and it sounds really <laughs> dignified. <laughs> Can't wait to hear uh, more of it. Oh, boy. Well, I've heard it called a lot of things, but dignified is the first time. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the Brit. Ah, I Sorry, I just said something probably wasn't politically correct, but I love the island accents. I always want to know what borough you're from. I can ah. hear it. Of course, I lived in upstate New York for a time. Um, uh, Scroon Lake, actually. Oh, nice. So, that wasn't too far from Binghamton. So there you go. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, upstate is just so different from uh, from you know from the New York City area. Everyone thinks of New York State, and they they think of New York City. And New York City is obviously a big part, but New York has a lot of rural and semi or rural areas on Long Island, and definitely upstate is just a whole different experience. So what influenced your passion going from, I have two questions for you today, but the, um, from going from the big city where it's really, you know, when you think about reducing the carbon footprint, all the things that you have to do to motivate people to recycle and all the other things, I know there's so much more than recycling. And then you go to these places where the mountains, we're talking like the Adirondacks and um, these places all over upstate New York that are so gorgeous. Um, when did you cultivate your love for the earth or has it always been there? You know, it, I guess it 
came about so so you know growing up in a kid i i lived in flushing queens and you know there was no doubt that part of the joy as you said was kind of getting out and there was a park nearby so a casino park actually and that used to be one of the most fun places to go and i think the green spaces i i think everybody really enjoys so there's a natural connection we all have to to green spaces that just fresh air and just a whole sense of serenity and different feelings and then living on long island i really love the water and the ocean and the sound were kind of two of my other favorite places so i guess i i kind of grew up with that never really considered a connection to nature as much as just loved being outside but then when i did move up to being you know upstate new york and the mountains and the trees and just nature that was where it really uh, had a deep impact on me for sure yeah yeah, and so with that, um, you took that deep impact, and what did you do with it? I know you've created this whole big thing here. Yeah, so um, so what happened was um, was kind of an interesting evolution, but I, I first went to school for accounting and management because okay. I was good at math, and I liked the symmetry of the debits and the credits, and um, I thought at the time I could being as youngster as I was, that I could become an accountant and then just work half the year and take the other half of the year off to get away from the rat race and go into the hills and get away from it all. Um, and that was kind of my initial goal. And I got my accounting degree, which has been great, um, no doubt about it. The, uh, you know, being able to look at balance sheets and profits and law statements and figure out all the financial stuff is really great. But I realized that just sitting in a dark room and counting the pennies and the more I got into it, it was less and less about symmetry and balance is more about finding little loopholes in this law or that tax law about how to save some somebody a little bit of money here. And it was just it wasn't where I really wanted to be. And so I wound up in a, in a graduate program still in Binghamton, but what was then the School of Advanced Technology eventually became the Watson School of Engineering. And gosh, I got to study everything that I ever could dream of. I was always into science fiction and future oriented. And boy, the more I, I got my hands on these studies, I studied everything from Taoism and Confucianism and all different world religions and all this kernel of truth about how we all have this purpose and mission at the center of every religion, I believe there's this core. And I found for myself that part of my core was doing something for other people. And simultaneously, I also studied technology and everything from quantum physics and subatomic physics and, and how that all relates to a whole range of things. And I realized, you know, there's a lot more to life than just earning a living that we're all here for some reason Which right. reason kind of changes we got to all figure it out as we go but for me it became working with people and i became a community organizer working at the time the issue was energy just happened to be and okay. i was sitting around working with senior citizens who were on fixed incomes and really were having to choose between heating their homes and eating 
was heat mm. heat. Uh, as utility rates were going through the ceilings, as they were phasing in the cost of nuclear power plants that just went from $300 million and they were going to create energy too cheap to meter, quote unquote, okay. went to a billion dollars, went to $4 billion at 4.2 as part of an effort to get a cap on the consumer cost of it. At right. $7 billion, it bankrupted the Long Island Lighting Company. Oh, my gosh. Long Island. So that wiped out uh, the yes. Shoreham Nuclear Power Plant. I worked at the Shoreham Nuclear Power Plant one summer as a security guard when I was in college. And I realized that all the things I had dreamed about nuclear wasn't quite right. And it wasn't going to be the kind of energy source of the future. And along the way, I realized, you know, um, boy, nature, the forces of nature that just awes us every day, right? I've just been through right near my upstate New York here. There was another mini tornado that came through and ripped the roofs off of homes near my daughter's mm. house. Um, the forces in nature are just incredible. They are just astonishing. And when you look at the forces of the air with wind power, the water with hydropower, the earth with geothermal power, and then that incredible source of energy that we rely on to live, the sun that the earth revolves around. Um, There's just so much power there. We live in what uh, actually one of the organizers of Earth Day, Dennis Hayes, called a sea of energy. We're just surrounded by energy. Right. Yeah. We're just surrounded by it. And the great part about now is that we've got the technology to be able to capture that energy and the prices have come down. So not only can we capture that energy and use it for our electricity and our heating and cooling and our transportation, but it's actually become a way to save money. And uh, along my career, I've uh, been lucky enough to work with people, with governments, with business, with nonprofits, with communities to help figure out how to put together projects that save the money and reduce their carbon footprint. And the interesting thing is that almost 90% of the greenhouse gases comes from the energy that we consume. It comes Mm -hmm. from burning gas for our vehicles to heating and cooling our homes to um, the electricity that we use to power everything about us. So, So to deal with these climate issues now, we have to deal with energy and clean energy is the solution. And the great news is there's a sea of energy all surrounding us and we can tap into it, so. Yeah, I love how you put um, the basis of catch, catch, capturing all the forces of energy, the wind, the rain, the sun, and how that, when they're in connection, um, creates a magnificent force that can save us money. You know, it's like, it's like the intimacy, because, you know, I always look at things from intimacy of the fire, wind, sun, rain, how that all is connected you know what since we're talking about intimacy and we ask all our guests this um how do you define intimacy ron yeah i define it as compassionate connection and you know clearly that's between all of us as individual humans but it's also between us and all the animals that are around us with our our pets and etc but it's also really with nature and mother earth mm-hmm. and that compassionate connection of caring and sharing and being willing to do something to help each other that connection i think um sometimes we get lost you know in all the different aspects of our life and that ca- that connection that compassionate connection though is what really makes us special and human and and feel heartfelt joy so mm-hmm. compassionate connection is how i define it compassionate connection okay awesome all right we're going to take a short break but when we come back we're going to understand more about earth day and not only what people should do on earth day but what we should do actually for 365 days of the year yes 
Absolutely. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy, and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, vacation counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. So, um, for Earth Day, there's, you know, people say, well, maybe I should go and recycle or help. Um, we're, we're by the beaches. So people do, of course, clean up the beach and all that kind of stuff. What are some other things that we should be doing? And not only just for Earth Day, because really um, celebrating something for one day of the year does not truly impact, you know, the world versus celebrating and making something a, actually a pattern or a routine or a habit you know, daily. Make every day Earth Day, right? So, yes. <laughs> well, a, a couple, you know, there's there's lots of different levels of this. And um, on a personal level, one of the first things, and I think you guys have done just such a great job with it, is connecting with your inner self, right? And taking okay. those breaths and being intimate and connecting first with your body, which is part of the earth. We are part of the earth. That's we true. are part of nature. We are actually humans are now a force of nature unto ourselves, mm-hmm. but just first connecting. And actually in one of the podcasts, I had a Dr. Stephen Cowan on who talked about his work with kids out of New York City who had extreme cases of asthma where they couldn't breathe. They were literally on so much medication and in and out of hospitals. And he took him um, just a little bit north of New York City and brought him out into nature. And just that centering every day in their breathing and getting out into nature and connecting with nature, he had kids in 30 days off of all their medication. It was wow. an incredible story. And so I think first connecting ourselves with our bodies and being present and understanding that that's a first step. Next step is connecting with the people and the, and the surroundings that we're in our environment, but then on a, on a more sort of um, next step basis, um, 90% of the greenhouse gases comes from the energy that we consume. So we should all take a look at that and think about, okay, um, first, where do I spend money on energy? Because when you look at those dollars that you spend on electricity and on heating and on transportation, you can make a direct correlation between the money you're spending on energy and the impact you're having on the environment. So the first thing is efficiency. 
and take a look at various different ways of efficiency. And actually for your followers, if they log on to awesomeearthkind.com slash BIB, bring intimacy back, um, there's a whole host, a list of, of energy efficiency things, some th- simple things they can do that can have a significant impact on the environment and also on saving some money. Um, the simplest, easiest one, really, the first thing that always comes to mind is a light bulb. So incandescent light bulbs, you know, the way that you have them on and you touch them and they turn hot, they're hot, you burn your hand. Right. Right? That's because most of the energy in an incandescent light bulb is producing heat and not visible light. Okay. So if you change your light bulbs out to light emitting diodes or LED lighting, Lights. and people are somewhat right. familiar with those, um, now 80% uh, reduction in energy, you get the same amount of visible light, but instead of all that wasted heat, now you just 80%. have the light. Wow. 80%, right? And so, it's really a lot. Yes. A lot, right? So, and the interesting thing about LED light bulbs, and there's another show on Awesome Earthkind about choosing the right LED light bulbs, um, is that they last 10 times longer, too. So, not only do you get an 80% reduction in energy, right. same amount of light, but they last 10 times longer. So, instead of having to go and get 10 times more incandescent light bulbs, you just get one and it lasts so much longer. So, that's the great thing with efficiency technologies is that you get more with less and you save money at the same time. Lighting is a key thing, is an easy, simple thing. Okay. When you were talking talking, um, and you were talking about uh, currency, I I thought current, the, you know, the electricity, the current, current. And then I thought about currency, the money. And I thought, I'm so glad last year I switched due to advice from a friend to all LED lights. And well, they were a little expensive at first, but I thought I heard they lasted longer. So you said today, speaking of currency, these lights are going to last longer and stay longer and be better for the environment. And I haven't had to change one light bulb in a single year so far. Exactly. And there's, um, you know, you don't want to go for the cheap LEDs that may be not so good quality, but by choosing ones that are, if you look on the label, there's usually a label that says how many hours they last. And you think about, oh, gosh, you mean I can get a light bulb that lasts 20 thousand hours instead of a thousand hours that i would get or less out of an incandescent light bulb oh my gosh i I won't change a light bulb again for years so yeah it's a it's a wonderful technology it's a simple easy thing buy a led light bulb and change out some of your incandescence um and there is a we again there's a both a list on the website that you can take a look and it helps you walk through some of the things to look for and or you can listen to the podcast and get some other ideas but led lighting is a simple, easy thing. Change some light bulbs out. You'll save money. You'll have a dramatic impact on the environment. It's a good thing to do. Now, yeah. behind you, there's some, you have an image embedded, one of the, the images. Um, and what is that? Is that a grid? So, I see the fan, the, the windmills. Yeah, What's there you story go. on that? There you go. So that's part of awesome. And the awesome earth kind podcast is about the forces of the air, a water W earth E sun S the forces that awes us awesome. And you and I, that last two letters of awesome is me M E you and me and all 7 billion of us are also a force of nature. Now we're the fifth element. We're literally changing the world with the amount of carbon we're producing. And it's all women and mankind all 
earth kind. So we are awesome. You are awesome. Every person on this planet has some amazing things to offer. And we are literally changing the world. So it's awesome earth kind. And that's the quadrant, the air, water, earth, and sun um, in that quadrant there. And the other piece is earth kind energy consulting. And our motto there is go clean and save green and that green is birth the earth and its dollars so okay yeah i love the logo there and i'm thinking um there may be some people out there that may be because we do live in a here and now kind of culture (laughs) that are thinking why should i care about saving energy of any sort you know what i'm saying forget about the cost efficient they're like yeah yeah i have the money why should i care um well Anybody that's been involved in a recent extreme weather event should start to realize that these extreme weather events are becoming more frequent and more intense. And what's happened is that we've done so much, we've dumped so much carbon and greenhouse gases into the air now. We're literally at a place with carbon dioxide that the earth has not seen in millions of years. And that excess energy basically, that happens with the carbon in there. It traps the sun's light instead of reflecting it back and or taking it into the earth and the water to the oceans. What happens is that energy builds up and that's why we're getting more extreme extreme and frequent extreme weather events. Everything from droughts and fires like we have Mm -hmm. out west to floods and storms and tornadoes and hurricanes that we see all over the world Mm -hmm. and it's literally changing the very existence of our planet the scariest thing really is you know people i hear people say sometimes why should i care about the polar ice caps who cares if they melt okay you know the polar bears it's not just the polar bears that ice cap that we have on both sides ends of the world reflects a lot of the sun's energy back into space and under those ice caps for millions and billions of years literally all the all the um, the fossils that have built up, all the biomasses under there, and it's all methane. And methane is a very potent greenhouse gas. It's it's over okay. two hundred times more potent than carbon dioxide. Right. And in frozen in those methane deposits, if those methane deposits start releasing, we're going to see an exponential increase in extreme weather events beyond even mm-hmm. what we're seeing now. So there's a lot of things to be scared about. The, the And I don't want to scare everybody, but it is literally, we're at the turning point where we need to get control over our greenhouse gases and right. we need to then shift it and take those greenhouse gases out of the environment. And the great part, again, is we have the technology. We right. actually now have solar technology that and solar and wind technology that has produced is producing the cheapest electricity ever mm-hmm. on the planet. It's like it's incredibly less expensive now, and there's enough of it. There's a thousand times more energy there than we need, so we just right. got to decide we want to do it. And the same is true with all these technologies. The costs have come down to the point where they're really cost effective, and we can have such a dramatic impact. And really, this is doable. It's achievable, but it will take all of us. It will take a combined effort of each of us doing our piece. And then our localities, our communities, our 
states, our nation, our world, all coming together to make this transition that can be made and will be better for us. And it'll be not only smarter environmentally, better for the air and the water and our living conditions, but it'll save us money, create jobs and also help with equity, which is, um, you know, environmental justice is becoming more and more of a concern. And when you take a look at energy and its impact on on communities, low income communities, um, you find that there is a very real environmental justice issue there. And clean energy can help solve that too. And I was, as you was talking about that, I was just thinking that also um, the simplicity of life um, changes if we don't take care of our um, elements. Because even in the sense of water, I was just thinking as I was growing up, we could used to drink from the water hose, you know, when you're out there playing and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but nowadays, (laughs) you know, no one really drinks from the water hose. We have these water bottles. We have to put these filters in the water. And I'm not sure if that's all because of how we haven't taken care of our environment in the water. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Does that no. make sense? Yeah, we've, we've um, you know, we're evolving, right? And look, we're we're still a young species in comparison to all the others on the planet. So, okay, you know, but we've we've now got to the point where there's so many of us, and we're having such a dramatic impact that yes, we've been dumping things into our into our ground and into our groundwater, and we've been really you know uh, abusing and not being intimate and caring and compassionate with the very life support systems that are holding us together, that keep us alive. So we need to deal with that. And um, yep, it's a real issue. And again, the good news is that if we decide to make this transition and for instance, you know, um, to take carbon out of the atmosphere, there's one really simple solution that's simple in one way is complex in other, but that is planting trees and having sustainable Mm. agriculture where you do organic agriculture. And that, captures carbon takes it out of the atmosphere and puts it back into the earth wonderful thing right so okay let's do more of that i love that i want to let you know that um i just made a decision i bought a property in uh, northern michigan and it has not been uh developed on ever so ever there's houses on all over but this property, this acre and a half has never been built upon. And I'm trying to make a decision over how much, where I should build and how much I should build. And I think I'm going to build up instead of the width. And just based on that, you just helped me make that decision. That because I sense. love that that property has so many trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, this is just fantastic. You were talking about the um, polar bears, too, and why should we care about them? It reminded me of that article and how they, Yellowstone, I remember in Yellowstone, they reintroduced wolves to um, the to Yellowstone, and it helped change the entire ecological system of Yellowstone over a number of years. And when some people thought that these wolves would actually be um, wounding the, the weak, they actually built up the elk herds as a result. I read that article. Very interesting. And we should care. Yeah. You know, um, 
it, talking about intimacy, right? You know, we're, it's one integrated web of life on this planet and we're part of it. And sometimes we think we're above it and we're outside of it, but we're really not. And we really depend upon each other and we depend upon all other living things to survive. And if not for the trees and for the animals, we would not have air and food, right? So, and plants and, you know, I mean, it's all interconnected and we really have to recognize that and be much more cognizant and intimate really with our living environment so right right i think as humans sometimes we just feel like we're over everything and we are um very arrogant yep. in yeah, it's our earth yep exactly. it's ours exactly so uh, another thing that you might think about um you guys were in florida one of the things that miami has recognized is that the sea level rise means now that miami is getting flooded so they're having to put in a whole extensive piping system to get rid of the flooding so that they can get through the streets even on just you know on on almost regular days so one of the things to recognize is as sea level rises um a lot of people who live along the coast are going to be severely impacted and that's Mm -hmm. something to consider as well but in terms of us doing something, a couple other things that we can do. Um, um, there's really three pieces of energy when you take a look at what we each consume. There's electricity, there's mm-hmm. heating, heating, right? We heat and cool right. and that piece. And then there's transportation, how we move around in our cars right. and our vehicles. So electricity, it's great to get, no doubt about it, clean electricity going. And if you can't put solar on your roof, there's some other ways you can now get clean electricity, your piece of the grid. And depending upon where you are in the country, there's different ways you can do that. But if you look at these clean energy, green energy programs in your community with your utility, there's almost almost always a way that you can get some piece of your electricity to come from clean energy sources, whether it's the water or the wind or the sun. So if you can't put solar on your roof um, because you have too many trees or you happen to live in an apartment or you're renting, um, there's ways you can still get clean energy. And around the country now, one of the new mechanisms is called community solar. And so what happens with- Community solar, okay. Community solar, a solar farm goes up in your community, in your utility territory, and you can now become and subscribe to a piece of that community solar farm. And in most parts of the country, you can get a short-term gig, so you don't have to sign up for a long period of time, month to month. And in most parts of the country as well, you can get savings on your utility bill by doing it. Wow. So, you have to check that out. Yeah. Community right? solar. Yes. Community solar. And, and again, in different parts of the country, there's different programs with the utilities or with competitive electric suppliers that let you get a piece of the grid that's coming from clean energy sources instead of from dirty ones. And there's various ways. So first, take a look at your electricity consumption. Take a look at where you're buying your electricity and talk to your utility, do some research and see what you can do to get your clean electricity supply. If you can do solar, that's the best. That's wonderful. But if you can't do that, that's one piece. Second piece, as we mentioned before, is efficiency. So lighting is a piece. When Mm -hmm. you go and get your appliances, get Energy Star appliances. Those Mm -hmm. are rated. You take a look. You see how efficient they are, whether it's your refrigerator or your dishwasher or any other appliance that you have in your home. Third piece related to that is when we have our electronics plugged in, and even if they're just plugged in, like our iPhone wires are plugged in or our stereos are plugged in, even though they're off, they're still consuming energy. Those pirates. 
that's right. And actually, some call them pirates. Some call them vampire loads because they're sucking out the electricity even when we're not using it. Um, so when you can, actually, that could be almost 18 to 20% of your electricity bill can no come kidding. from those vampire loads. Yeah, they've done Really? That. I had no idea. I know, right? Most of us don't, right? So it's right. like, so if you can put stuff on a power strip and then turn it off when you're not using it, whether it's mm. a TV or your, um, your cable box or any other appliance, right. put it on, just t- put off the power strip and that'll cut down on those loads and other energy efficiency piece with heating and cooling a lot of people don't realize that we have um we have filters right in the mm-hmm. heating and cooling systems that blow when we have our air stuff right so if we don't change those filters if we don't know about it several things happen one is that it's not a good thing for bacteria and other things to build up on there so it's an air quality issue can have a health right. impact but in addition if when the air can't flow through those filters it makes the system work harder which means that you're consuming more more energy and it also makes the system work harder to the point where it could break so regularly change the air filters for your vents in your system in your in your home or your apartment wherever you are because those vents have multiple impacts and are, are another efficiency way so heating and cooling um that's a piece with these vents and those efficiency things and what many people haven't heard about but we all have is do you guys ever hear what a heat pump is do you know what a heat pump is yes i do no i don't i don't know what a heat pump is and then a lot of people keep their water temperature so high right and it can come down like 10 degrees or however many i actually read my lighting company's recommendations and i go to the and i've increased my filters and for my air filters to merv 10 11 and up Mm -hmm. they last longer they're more efficient and then i read about those heating the the heating Heat pumps. Uh, the heat pumps yep. because educate me yes it's more about these heat pumps pumps does it have anything to do with intimacy turn on the heat so... or turn it <laughs> that's a really good point um so we all actually have or almost all of us have a heat pump if you've got a refrigerator and a freezer which most of us do that's actually a heat pump and what a heat pump does is it compresses and expands you heard of a compressor right um so a compressor basically compresses and expands usually a gas and then it takes the heat from one location in your refrigerator and your freezer takes it out of the box and lets it get out in the coils and back or underneath the box, right? So a heat pump just moves heat around, compresses and expands uh, a a gas and then takes that heat and moves it in various places. An air conditioner is also a heat pump. And an Mm -hmm. air conditioner does that same thing as a refrigerator or freezer does. But instead of taking it and putting it out the back in a coil, the air conditioner dumps it into the outside air. In the South, people are familiar with heat pumps because they use them for heating because you can take that process, that air conditioner, and reverse the valves inside. And by reversing the valves inside, now you could take the heat out of the air and use it to heat the inside of your home or any other building. So an air source heat pump is an air conditioner, but it just goes both ways. It takes heat out and cools it or it takes heat in and heats it and the technology has improved now where air source heat pumps can take heat out of the air even when it's down to minus 15 degrees outside because there's still energy and heat in the air 
right? So if you've got a traditional boiler um, or furnace and you're burning natural gas or you're burning oil or you're burning um, propane um, or even coal, hopefully people have gotten away from coal, but anything that you're burning, you're always burning at an efficiency of something less than 100% because mm-hmm. you're just burning. And the most efficient natural gas is like in the 98% range right. or so. Um, but everything else is less than 100 When you go to an air source heat pump and you get an air conditioner that both heats and cools and it takes the energy out of the air for every unit of electricity you put in you're getting two to three units of heating and cooling out of it so it's 200 to 300 percent efficient and the next step beyond that is ground source heat pumps or geothermal heat pumps and we all know that if you go down and you dig a hole in the ground that's why our, our animals go when they're outside and it's hot they'll dig a little hole because the temperature down underneath is a constant temperature because the earth sucks up about half the energy from the sun and over billions of years if we go down four or five feet in most part of the country most parts of the world it's a constant temperature and it's basically about 50 degrees or so 50 55 degrees depending upon where you are so if you dig a hole down and that's what a geothermal system does digs a hole and you can go straight down or you can go in a field and you go down far enough and you put basically little hoses and you run a fluid water through those hoses it goes out it comes back it's now at 50 degrees and now you start heating or cooling starting at 50 degrees and to cool a space you don't really have to do much more than the 50 degrees and if you're heating a place space now you're just bumping it up 20 degrees and geothermal heat pumps are four to five hundred percent efficient so for every unit of electricity dollar electricity put in you get four or five dollars worth of heating and cooling out of it so on a heating and cooling basis whenever you're able to do air source heat pumps or ground source heat pumps you're improving efficiency you can usually get utility incentives there's tax credits many times you can get as well and you could save a pile of money and move away from fossil fuels and burning and dirty and having air quality issues to these clean sources of heating and cooling too this is this is fascinating and i'm not even playing i love this geothermal heating i i wonder if that's possible for my property in michigan it is absolutely. And I am positively going to look into geothermal heating. I have a. I had a question about an air pump. I don't mean to monopolize, but I just love this topic. I mean, I'm just like. I'm, I'm so you know, we're, we're trying to be intimate with the earth and figure out all the ways of doing yeah. stuff, right? So please, and yeah, yes. go ahead. So when you were talking about, you know, I read about piracy. I I know about those pirates. I didn't know they were called vampires. Vampirates is what I'm going to call them. <laughs> but every time I leave, before I leave on a trip, I unplug everything except for the refrigerator. Now, the refrigerator is what I understand from what I've read is one of the biggest pirates in a home. And I never really understood it until today when you were talking about that heat pump. I never thought that my refrigerator, my refrigerator has that, has that. I never knew it had a heat pump. It is a heat pump. And it's the number one vampire, correct? A a refrigerator can use a lot of energy. It really can. And that's, again, why you want to get an Energy Star refrigerator that's much more efficient in terms of producing the cooling that you want for less energy that you have to put in. So That's what we want to encourage our listeners, those of you that are listening and money is tight for you and you're thinking, you know what, I can't afford a new refrigerator. Well, perhaps you can. 
because with these energy efficient refrigerators, you're actually going to be saving money because that is one of the biggest vampires of your electricity. And in some cases, in many cases around the country, the utility will pay you to take out your old refrigerator and put in a new one. So um, they'll give you at least some sort of rebate on it. And if you get an Energy Star refrigerator, which are more energy efficient, um, there's usually many parts of the country an incentive, a rebate from the utility to also do it. So it's worth thinking about um, because you're right. If you finance it in particular, the energy savings alone could pay for the cost of it. So so it's worth thinking about. Right. So that's wow. a, that's a second area. Right. So we've got yes. all the electricity that we use in our in our homes, in our workplaces, et cetera. We've got the heating and cooling we do and then the third piece and this is another fascinating piece um is the transportation and so here's where transportation has evolved to um a lot of the greenhouse gases 30 to 40 percent that we produce comes from our driving and our moving people around and burning fossil fuels to move ourselves around to transport and it winds up that electric vehicles now have come to the point where they are so cost effective and so efficient that we all heard of teslas we know tesla led the way they were definitely at the forefront Mm -hmm of it. People mostly think, oh, Teslas, they're great. They're really fast. They're cool. They're amazing, but they're too expensive, right? Um, And they're the only ones and et cetera, et cetera. Well, now every manufacturer is either has them or they will have them. Um, We just heard announcements that General Motors is going Mm -hmm. to stop producing internal combustion engines in 2035. Mm -hmm. Volvo is beating them with 2030. This year, Ford has their Mustang Mach-E, which is an all-electric Mustang that came out that they're releasing, which is like an SUV Mustang. But wow. every manufacturer has one. Every, no matter which car brand you like, from the low end, the Chevys to the mm-hmm. Fords to the Nissans and the Toyotas, up to the high end, the Porsche and the BMWs and the Mercedes and everything in between, the whole world is moving to electric vehicles. And people think, oh, okay, well, that's great, but where am I going to charge it, right? That's the usually the first question that folks have. And the fascinating thing is this, is that 98% of Americans' trips are less than 50 miles. Wow. So th- think about that for a second. How often, how far do you drive in a day? Do you usually drive less than, let's say, 100 miles on almost any day? Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. Almost everybody does, right? We Mostly we drive around town, we go to school, we go to the store, we go to commute to work or whatever else, but 98% of our trips are less than 100 miles. So with an electric vehicle now, they get over 200 miles to the charge. So the fascinating thing is if you have a single family residence and you can just have a garage, or you can just run an extension cord outside, these electric vehicles actually light those trickle charges that you get from just plugging it right into an electric wall socket. So you just plug your electric vehicle into a wall socket overnight. You've got 200 miles of charge, which is enough for 98% of your trips, right? So you don't need to think about a charging station if you're here, there, you're going distance. Okay, fine. And those charging stations are being built. But for most people, 
most of the time, just plug it into a regular wall socket overnight. And the fascinating thing is when you look at the economics with that, yeah, right now we're paying a little bit more, but there's a mm-hmm. tax credit on those electric vehicles. So you get a $7,500 tax credit off of your taxes if you buy one of these electric vehicles. Plus, there's usually state and in- utility incentives. So you take a look at right. that in various states. So now you're down. The cost of buying it is almost the same, sometimes less than an internal combustion engine. And then you look at your fuel cost and you realize that no matter where you are in the country paying for electric per mile with an electric car is half the price of paying per mile for gasoline at expensive gasoline prices so you're saving a half to two-thirds on your fuel cost these electric cars don't have an oil change don't need oil changes they don't have transmission so you don't need transmission fluid changes they have 20 moving parts instead of 2,000 so there's mm. many wow. less things to break oh down. my gosh wow I mean, you're making me want to go out now <laughs> right so yeah you know all these new york city has did a total cost of of uh, total cost of ownership analysis and they're moving their entire fleet to electric because they're saving money all the right. way down the line they save on up front they're saving on fuel they're saving on maintenance they less break down so it's just it's really a no-brainer and it's where the whole world is going it took us a long time to get to the first million electric vehicles in the world from one to two million right. it was 18 months Mm. Two to three million, it was eight months. We're now at over seven and a half million electric vehicles, and it's growing exponentially. And again, every manufacturer is doing it, and the whole country, the whole world is moving to electric vehicles. So if you haven't thought about an electric vehicle, um, worth thinking about. If you live in a multifamily building or you don't have any place, you don't have a garage where you can plug your car in, there are many more charging stations that are now coming out. and uh, if you take a look around, I'm sure you'll find that there's a, a lot more going on than really met the, meets the eyes. So, so we're thinking about electric okay. cars is the other third of the issue. Oh, awesome. I want to pick your brain on just one last thing. Sure. Um, I know that you are a very family and a very romantic guy. Actually, he has, what, seven children. <laughs> yes. I had two, bi- just so you know, I had two biologically. <laughs> I had married into one. And then after my wife wanted the divorce on the first one, I married into four more. So yes, I have seven, but five of them I adopted. So just to be clear. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so how can um, a couple who wanted to um, be romantic, but also give back to their environment. What are some activities for an environmentally conscious couple that they can do together to bond and make a difference? Oh boy, what a great question. Thank you so much. Um, So first, uh, again, be in your own body and connect physically in the same physical space with your partner. So touching, hand holding, etc. Taking walks are really nice. So doing things together in nature that just lets you connect with both your body, your partner, and then with the na- nature is wonderful. As you take a look and you think about the impact, in particular on our kids, if you're if you happen to have kids and you're concerned about the future, think about the fact that wow, I. Really really want to make a difference and have a legacy and start doing things with your energy bills because that's 90% of the issue. So take a look at all your utility bills together and say, okay, well, let's start chipping away at it. What can we do to reduce our electricity cost and our electrical impact and everything from the pirate vampire, the vampire it loads through uh, turning off the lights and all those sorts of things, do all the efficiency things, and then start dealing with some of the more in-depth things. So look at your heating system and 
your cooling system and your vents and your transportation and what are you doing and how far are you driving? And as you start to look again, I, I start with the dollars because I've worked with businesses and governments and nonprofits over the years to help save them money with clean energy transformations. And it really is every dollar that you start saving has a major environmental impact. Okay. So those dollars reducing your cost is not just good for your pocketbook, but it's good for the environment too. So I would say that, you know, the more that folks get together as, as a family or as a partner and start to systematically look at, okay, we want to do something together to have a positive impact on the right. environment, on our planet, leave a legacy for our kids. Start, take a look at those and start to make chipping away at it. But first connect with yourself, connect with each other and connect with nature because that's what it's all about. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'd like to encourage uh, couples that want to be sexually intimate and considerate of the environment to have sex with the lights off in honor of our great. <laughs> or I you agree. can not wax. Absolutely. I agree. There we go. Wonderful. Candles with kerosene, right? but how love we turn off those lights and have some sexual intimacy tonight <laughs> without no the lights on. We normally tell people to keep the lights on because in, as therapists, we want them to have that direct contact to see one another, to experience one another. And sometimes if you have sex with the lights off, it's not always the best sign, you know? Right. So sure. I'm saying turn off those lights tonight. Or have a little LED nightlight if you need some, you know, some backgrounds, you know, right? So, or, or some candlelight is obviously always good too. So. We'll, we'll encourage in honor of Ron and the awesome earth that we would encourage people to have an LED light night. Ooh, an LED light night. I love it. Earth Kind Energy <laughs> Consulting. Thank you, there Ron. There you go. And uh, if folks, again, if you want to uh, go to awesomeearthkind.com slash B-I-B, bring intimacy back, you'll find some energy saving tips there that you can download. You'll find some actually business opportunities, too, because we're always looking for referrals to businesses and nonprofits and governments that want to make this transition and might need our services, in which case you can not just do a good thing, not just help save them money, but also maybe earn a little extra income if that's something that you might be interested in. You'll see a bunch of different opportunities. There's some things on LED light bulbs you can download all the free things and then some other opportunities that might be of interest to you so awesome wonderful and you're on all the social medias yes we're on all the social media too so please connect with us on uh on if you would actually rate and rank our podcast that okay be great. yes i've definitely. done yours do and, uh, yes you, you have thank us, you so much that would be great your listeners please um and then you know we're on facebook and instagram and all the rest so on linkedin so please connect it would be great to hear from all your folks I'm going to uh, give you an update in a, a year or two once and let you know some of the things that I'm doing to protect the environment with my Northern Michigan property. Thank oh, you so and much. Just, your- yeah. With your Northern Michigan property, just so you know, there's no, the, the best time to do this stuff is when you're building. Cause at this point you're mobilizing capital, you're getting people involved, mm-hmm. you're building materials. So make it a real energy efficient, tight, envelope right so make your yeah. make your space really efficient that's one step first step second thing is when you can do solar if you can't do it on your roof you might do it in a field nearby or you might build a shed for extra storage space and put it on a shed or a do community solar 
or do community Ooh. solar is oh, yeah, thing, I took one way or another, right? Get that clean energy supplying yes. your electricity, move to ground source heat pumps, because again, you're going to be drilling and moving and doing foundations anyway. So you're digging. So do a ground source heat pump because now you can have the solar clean electricity, supply your heating and cooling and put in electric vehicle charging stations, at least the capacity. It's the same electric that we use for our stoves, electric stoves or for an electric dryer, right? So it's not anything different. You just want to make sure that you have it set up in the beginning. But by doing that, if you do it right, you then include all your costs in your mortgage. So you now you've got long-term financing, which is very inexpensive these days. You've got now all your energy costs can go into that. So you got the sun and clean energy supplying not just your electricity, but your heating, cooling, and your transportation. And all of a sudden, you're saving a lot of money and having a very positive environmental impact. So. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Truly. My pleasure. Thank you. And I will follow you. And for those of you that are following us at Bringing Intimacy Back Show, I just want to let you know too that you can join patreon.com at b forward slash bib podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash bib podcast. Also, we have upcoming shows we're really excited about. And that's Michaela Cox at 38 Triple D, Thriving Through All Things. We have Dr. Uh, Farid Zarif coming up with uh, Heart, Health, and Food. And of course, the Homance Chronicles with Making Working Friendships Work. So follow us on our socials as well. And it has been a pleasure being with you today. Happy Earth Day. Happy yes. Earth Day. Happy everybody. Earth Day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. This was great. Dr. April, Dr. Keller, you guys are wonderful. Please keep up. You've got a fantastic message. And thanks so much for having me on your show. Oh, thank you again for being in the show. And this has been the Bringing Intimacy Back show where intimacy is real. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.